What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, I am very excited to share my recent interview with Pierce Shaw. Now, if you're not familiar with Pierce, he is an ultra endurance athlete, an entrepreneur, and a podcaster of the Top 100 podcast, The Young Entrepreneur Show. And he is just a very impressive young man. And I kind of laugh as I say that as I'm 31 years old and I'm referring to him as a young man. And that's because he is in his early 20s. And even though he's in his early 20s, he's already racked up an impressive list of accomplishments from doing multiple 100 mile ultras, including the Leadville 100, which he recently completed. He's done the Everesting 29029 challenge and actually was the first finisher at the event that he did. He has done half Ironman events and triathlons. And what's really more impressive than the list of accomplishments and achievements is just the person that he is. He is somebody of like high integrity and he's just very consistent and he's willing to share his journey, the highs and the lows with anybody who he comes across to help them on their own journey. So in our interview today, we talk about kind of what motivates him at such a young age to take on these big challenges, how he has slowly stacked confidence from taking on bigger and bigger endurance challenges. He walks us through his race experience at the Leadville 100, which is one of the hardest 100 mile ultras in the world. And we talk about the connection between endurance and entrepreneurship. And let me tell you, it's a good one. So first, I'm gonna roll a trailer and then we're gonna get into it. Do you wanna complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, Pierce, I am super excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome, man. Awesome, dude. Uh, Super excited to be here with you and your listeners. Man, I'm excited after our conversation before this just to dive into endurance sports and everything there. Absolutely. Yeah, well, let's let's get into it because, I mean, the thing that really stands out to me is just how impressive of a list of accomplishments that you have already achieved. So, you know, completing a hundred mile ultras recently completing the Leadville, you know, 100, which, which is one of the hardest, you know, ultras, you know, in the world. I know that we've talked about it. You've completed the 29029 Everesting. Uh, You're a podcaster, a top 100 podcast, the, the young entrepreneur show, and you're doing it all at such a young age. And so the first question is just like, where does this motivation and this drive come from? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think your motivation changes like throughout your life. So for me, I think back to like where it kind of started off and not to get, I mean, we could go deep in it if you want, but just to give you a quick overview, like uh, when I was six years old, my parents got divorced 
and my dad and mom split. I lived with my mom. I would see my dad about once every week, but I just saw my my mom uh, work very, very hard as a nanny, basically growing up. She was out the door at 6 a.m. and back at 6 p.m., like taking care of other families. I learned a lot through that experience, definitely made me the person who I am today. But I think one of the things that that really ingrained in me is this like desire to to be something and to be more and to do something for my family. Because I saw my mom work as a nanny and I, I knew that that's not like sort of the path, not saying I would become a nanny, but like that's not the lifestyle that I would want to live. So my goal then became how do I work extremely hard through my childhood and my teen years to like put myself ahead so that I don't have to deal with some of the other things that come along with like being a nanny or or working a job like that where you know you're kind of at the mercy of other people and you know you you give up a lot of your time for for a dollar. So um yeah, I think just to answer circle back to your question like that's where it really started is this deep desire to get ahead in life. And I think I would say I've definitely had like a little extra chip on my shoulder, you know, growing up because a lot of my friends didn't have divorced parents. So I had this like extra desire. So that's where it started. And it's kind of evolved uh, since then. Oh, that's really powerful. And thank you for sharing that with me. And, you know, it sounds like you, you know, to this day have such a close relationship with your mom, you know, kind of because of, because of that. And I'm curious, you mentioned one thing being like that, just hard work and that grit, but what other things have you learned from your mom that you apply to this day? I think I've learned a lot from my mom. And I think just like the way she carried herself and, and carries herself, it's like extremely hardworking. She actually runs marathons. So it was kind of in the back of my head to get into running. She never forced it on me, but, uh, she was definitely an influence there because I saw p- possibility in my life. But I think with with her and, and just the example that she set early on, but also the things that she was doing, I'd come home after school and she'd be working. So I'd have to handle myself, my, make myself food, take care of myself. So I, I learned a deep sense of like responsibility, but also like being independent when I was young. And that like really carried me forward to take care of a lot of things in like high school and college and and in my early 20s of handling stuff. I remember one, this is kind of a stupid example, but like my friend's parents would always book their flights for trips or vacations or things like that or college visits. But senior year of high school, I was booking my own trips, like visiting different colleges, just because it was like, I was sort of like, more empowered to do different things because my mom didn't necessarily have or dad didn't have like the bandwidth to do those things for me. So it it was hard growing up for the first, I don't know, 16, 18 years of my life. It was always this burden on me, but now I've had a lot of deep revelations of like how I'm so much better off for it. Wow. Well, thank you. And I think you kind of mentioned that your mom does marathons is that how you got into running then? Or what, what was that spark in the early, you know, running journey like for you? Yeah. Like I saw her. So like 
she has run the Columbus, Ohio marathon. Cause that's where I'm from. I think for like 30 years in a row or something crazy wow. like that. Yeah. But she, she never like told me to do, to get into marathon. It, it's kind of funny because my grandparents and my family, like my grandma, my mom's name's Lisa. She's like, Lisa, look what you've done. What have you done in Pierce? Cause she's like worried by the running and stuff I do. Yeah. Back to how did I get started? So in 2018, the summer of 2018, I was driving in, in the car with a friend. So I played lacrosse growing up. So I, I realized I was a little bit better of a runner than other people just through like playing the sport of lacrosse. I was never the best athlete, but I could outlast people in longer distance runs. And so I had got my wheels turning on, you know, get getting more into that. But it wasn't until like July or August of 2018, I was driving in the car with my best friend and some other people. And he goes, I don't know how it came up, but he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to run a half marathon. And I, I quickly butted in. And I was like, no way. Like I was thinking I was going to maybe do something like that. And then turns out that sparked something in me to go find a half marathon real quick and then sign up for it. And it turns out he actually didn't do it with me, but, but I did it. And that, <laughs> that was enough to like bark it in me to take action. And so I go and do this half marathon and I do it. And I was like, dang, like that was hard. But at the same time, like I'm alive and I loved it. So just cause the, such a rewarding feeling after doing something hard like that. So then that led me to do the Columbus marathon actually with that friend, I got him to do the oh, marathon nice. and then my mom did it too. So that was 2018. So coming up on, I mean, this August, that, that was uh, four years ago and it's been super, super cool since just like the progression that's happened. That's really cool. There's a, a couple of things I want to highlight there, you know, cause first you, you kind of got immersed in it and you saw the possibilities of it through your mom right at, yeah. at, at a young age. And just one kind of funny thing is, you know, my daughter Ellie is two and I'll go for a run every single morning. I'll come back and she recognizes what I'm doing. She says, Dada run, Dada sweaty. And so it, it's just kind of funny that even like at a young age, you know, people pick up on that and they see, and they understand like what's, what's possible. And it also, you know, kind of is another example with you and your friend of how important it is to have like-minded people around you. Cause even though he didn't like do it with you that first time, it was his comment and his thought that s seemed like it made you take that first action. Yeah. And, and that's something I quickly fell in love with is just like the, the running culture, especially as I got into ultras, just the culture of it, the people because I quickly found out like they were my type of people, like people yes. who wanted to do these hard things and would rather go to sleep early on a, a Friday night and wake <laughs> up early for a Saturday morning run rather than stay out and party and do whatever that teenagers and people in their life do. So yeah, totally like like-minded people getting them around, getting yourself around that. I mean, that's just so important. I mean, everyone in here is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you hang out with nine broke people, you'll be the 10th. We hear these things, but a lot of times we don't actually like put them into action. Like mm -hmm. we, it, it sounds cliche, but it's cliche, but it's true. But like how many people decide where they're going to live based on a job versus decide where you want to live based on 
like a deeper sense of, of purpose. Like for me, deciding where I'm going to live because of the church that I want to be planted in or deciding where you want to be because of the people that you want to surround yourself with. So that's just like a, a little side tangent, but I quickly fell in love with the running community, the ultra community, and just like everyone wanting to to push themselves and and just so supportive in nature as well. Yeah. I think the ultra community is like, you know, very special in that sense where it is, it isn't like, it is a community and it's like, everybody's kind of in it together. And I love that aspect of it. So kind of picking up where you were talking about, there was the half marathon and then there was the full marathon. And at what point and how did you go from like the full marathon distance to then getting into ultras? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll quickly run you through the progression because I think it's really important for people to know too, that I'm 21 years old and I ran Leadville hundred, but I've also been doing this for four years and I did want to go like right out of the gates to hundred. Like I think it was 2019. I was like, I want to do hundred, but it was this progression And so, yeah, so after that marathon, the following summer, so summer of 2019, after my senior year of high school, I did a half Ironman. And then that was just another thing, like for, I don't know if people view it or listen to it, but it it was just like building blocks, like stacking belief in myself. The really cool thing was, is like, I grew up without much belief in myself. Like I grew up like doubting myself not thinking I was capable, not think I was thinking I was anything special, but doing this running thing, I started to build confidence because I, I, I was decent at it and I kept doing more and more. And so I did this half Ironman. Then, um, the fall I went to USC out in California for college. And I realized and quickly noticed like, cause I, I was someone in high school who stressed a lot about tests like studied a bunch and just put my best foot forward. But I realized that like, once I got to college, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do good, but I'm not going to like kill myself over this. Like, it's just not worth it because nobody's going to really care if I got a B versus an A in reality. That's just how I viewed it. But I noticed that a lot of people were studying and like cramming, staying up till 4am studying and all that. So I actually decided to uh, go and uh, I charted a 1.08 mile loop around campus at USC. And then during the first exam day, I said, I'm going to run this 1.08 mile loop every 15 minutes for 12 hours. Oh, um, dang. And, yeah. And raise money for, for mental health. And I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely no clue. And this is granted, this is two, like three years ago, I think ultra running has somewhat started to go a little bit more mainstream since then. I definitely think it's gotten more and more popular. It was still like kind of popular because at that time, like you had David Goggins coming out with his book, Can't Hurt Me and and talking about ultra races and stuff, but still like in the, I would say the beginning stages of like really getting popular. So I had no clue what to do. There's not much on the internet to figure out, but I was just like, I I had actually heard of uh, David Goggins and I read his book. So that's part of why I was like, dude, if this guy can do a hundred miles with no training, I can do a hundred miles if I train. So that's just like, I don't even know how I had that belief that I could do it, but I just did. 
but I started with 50 and it turned out to be 52. So I did that. I, I raised money. People thought I was crazy, but I did it. And then that was another like stack, like a, another Lego piece on top of the tower of belief in myself. And so I was like, okay, what else can I do? And then I vowed to do it every semester after. And so the next semester I did 60 miles around a one mile loop around my house because that was COVID. I raised money for mental health again. This time the news came out, which was pretty cool. As I started to press into this thing that I enjoyed, I started to realize like I was getting rewarded for it and noticed for it. So I think that also made me press in further. So then a semester later, I did 100, which was my first 100, which was a, another one, one mile loop 100 times. No um, way. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even really like know that <sighs> ultra races, like I may have known for my 100, but I don't really know they existed. Um, <laughs> you just created like, it yourself. Yeah. Well, because I, I heard that I heard Goggins book and yeah. his 100 was a one mile loop. So I think I just naturally thought that like every 100 miles like this. Yeah. So I did that. And that was like this crazy moment for me. And yeah, it, it was super cool. Another fundraiser. But yeah, so like it was this it was this progression building by building. And it granted it happened probably over the span of I mean, I ran 52 miles and then one year later I ran 100 so some may say that's kind of fast some may say that's a little bit slow but it was a, a building block and I think one of the biggest things and, and most important things was I believed that I could do it I was like I, I set the goal and I'm like I'm gonna do this thing mm -hmm. and a lot of people would think I did a six-month training program or four month or, or super intense, got a coach and, and everything. And I think all those things are valuable. I have, I don't have a coach currently, but I, I have used them in the past and they for sure helped and are very important. But at the same time, like if you have belief in yourself and you want to go do something, go do it. If, if you can't have the ability to hire a coach and you don't need one, like figure it out on the internet, but it, it, they definitely are helpful, but yeah. That's something I would just say the the stacking of belief was huge that's, for me. That's huge. And I think it's kind of what you mentioned, which, which is that running to you isn't just about running. It's about stacking the belief in yourself, mm. because when you, you set like an incremental goal, you come up with that vision, you take steps towards it, you overcome obstacles and you actually achieve it. That creates confidence in yourself. And it gives you the confidence to go after that next progressive goal. And I'm a big believer in, in following that process and going about it that way, because to me, it's almost like you don't want to rush the process. I went through a similar progression with triathlons and even with, with ultras as well. It's like where I started with a sprint triathlon and that's just, you know, 500 meter swim, 15 mile bike, and then like a 5k. And most people could do that like this weekend if they, you know, just put themselves up to it. And then you build up to an Olympic half and then an Ironman from there. And I'm just a big, big believer in that progressive process. And I 100% agree that it's, it's really more so about proving to yourself that you're capable of something and using that to stack that belief in yourself. So I love, 
love that message. And so I'm just curious then at what point did you actually discover that there were a hundred mile races that weren't just one mile loops and, you know, talk to me about that part. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, <laughs> I think at that point, like after I ran a hundred, I, I kind of, so at that point I decided to leave college COVID happened. I didn't want to do school online. And then I was like, I got into this whole entrepreneurship thing and, uh, I moved out to Arizona. I, I started working a, a sales job out there and I got super focused on that. So I didn't really do, this was 2021. I didn't do a whole lot of like endurance stuff that year besides 29 or 29. That and then I did like rim to rim to rim, which is in the Grand Canyon, which oh is yeah, sweet. definitely recommend that. It's on my but, bucket list. Yeah. So around that point, after I did R three, I just like I done a hundred, and then another thing that I learned of through Goggins' book was Badwater, mm -hmm. uh, Badwater one thirty five. For those of you who don't know, it's like a hundred thirty five mile race through Death Valley. It's extremely hot. It's in July. People fry eggs on the side of the, on the road to just like show how hot it is. Yeah. Um, it's like one of the hardest like races in the world, yeah, right? Like people are known yeah. for that. Yeah. 135 miles, crazy hot. So I was just like, yeah, I want to do it because I, it's just something the challenge drew me to it. And I started researching more and I, so I obviously knew there was more organized races, but what drew me to organized races then was, okay, like I have to run some races to be able to like qualify or like put an application in for this race. And I, they give you like a list. So you submit an application and they look at your races and they only accept, I don't know, a few amount. And they give you a list though, of like races that look good on your application. So essentially mm. like some of the other toughest ultras that they like respect. And so I got this list. I'm like, okay, which one should I do? And I think you need at least 300 milers over the span of like a couple years or something. But mm. this was last year. I'm like, I want to qualify for Bradwater as soon as possible. So I'm just going to pick three and do the three the next year. <laughs> so I picked the Keys 100, Leadville 100, and then I'm going to do another one in December. I don't think it's on the list, but that will give me my three to then qualify for Badwater. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's like when I, I guess, like focused. I was like, hey, like this one mile loop thing, your own ultra is kind of cool. But at the same time, like I want to go to a race. And actually doing races at races are much more fun than trying to do it on your own. I quickly found out. Yeah. Well, I just think even doing a, a one mile loop, like a hundred times or whatever exactly it was that that's just like so much harder just because it's self-supported. There aren't yeah. as many other people that are going through it with you. No it's like, aid it's stations really, that are uh, like pumping you up. Yeah. It's just really up to you. So that's cool to hear that. Basically the goal is to complete the bad water, you know, 135. And then these Leadville, for example, which is the most recent one is just almost like, again, another stepping stone towards that. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to add real quick too, like, yeah, there's so much like stepping stones, like also in the process, stacking belief in myself. One thing that I want to talk about too, that this has done for me in ultra running and like, doing these races is it's giving me life momentum. 
So like, as I've started to push myself in these ways and started to discipline myself, run on a consistent basis, like one day after the another, when I want to, when I don't want to also, like it's given me this momentum in life to where like things just become easier to do. Work becomes easier to do. I get out my out of my comfort zone easier. So it's like so transferable. And that's one thing I love about ultra endurance sports is not only does this belief, not only is this belief transferable to business, to relationships, to things that I'm trying to do. Like now, since I believe in myself more for this running thing, I believe in myself. If I want to go do something, I now feel stronger and more empowered to just be able to go and do it versus doubting myself a ton and not going to do it and staying in procrastination. And granted, I have a lot of room to grow as well still, but it's been able to take me out of my shell from this quiet kid who goes along with with the crowd and does exactly what everyone else tells him to do because he just wants to make other people happy to fully pursuing my what I feel like is my purpose regardless of what anyone says like Mm. I'm sure you Mario like when you decided to do this Ironman and decided to push and try and achieve the things that you you've done a lot of people came at you with questions like hey how much training have you done hey have you accounted for this what about the heat um what what about the the bike How, how long have you been riding your bike running swimming you're not a swimmer that's the, I mean, I'll let you so many. I'll turn it over to you in so, a second, yeah. but that's, that's what happens to me all the time. Um, for my half marathon. Oh, are you getting your electrolytes? Like, do you know how to run a half marathon? And then for the, the <laughs> Leadville, even just recently people being like, Hey, yeah, Leadville, Colorado, that's gotta be high in alt- altitude. How are you training for altitude when you're in Frisco, Texas at last time I checked? On my watch just now, I'm at 554 feet of elevation when you're going to start at 10,200 and get up to 12,600, two miles in the air. Like, how are you going to train for that altitude difference? Oh, also, how are you going to train for the mountains when you're in flat Texas? So I go on and on and on about that to say, like, whenever you say you're going to do something, that's out of the ordinary, something that's great, something that's extraordinary, you'll be met with questions, doubt, even if it's well-wishing doubt, even if sometimes it's from the people that you care them, that care the most about you, they want to see you safe. They don't want you to hurt yourself and stuff like that. But at, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to put yourself in positions where, yeah, I could have hurt myself doing that race, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And it's just so spot on and like 100% the exact same way for me, because whenever you take on like a big goal, if it is a half Ironman, if it's an Ironman, if it's a 5k or a 10k, if you haven't been running, if it's Everesting, a lot of those questions come up. And for me, a lot of them come up from like my own mind. Can I really do this? Do I have the time for this? What happens if I fail? What happens if I tell people that I'm doing this and I can't complete it or I get injured? And it's like, who, who am I to really do that? And that does come up all the time. 
and you just prove it to yourself by taking action. You prove it to yourself that you are capable by reminding yourself of all of the previous challenges that you have had those doubts and you've overcome. You just kind of prove it to yourself by putting in the work and trusting yourself. I think another thing that you said is you're like, that still happened for you in Leadville. And so it's not like that voice really ever goes away. It just gets a little bit more quiet and a little bit more quiet and you get better at dealing with it when it does pop up. So I'm curious, like, is that, is that kind of the same way for you or like, how do you think about overcoming like self-doubt that pops up whenever you do go after a big goal? Yeah. I think it's the exact same thing. The voice, like it doesn't go away. You, you still have it and it just may get a little bit quieter, but also you just get, you, you come become familiar with it. You know that it's going to be there. And then, you know, like it's my job to defeat that. And it's my job to overcome that. And I think that's, it's the same with everyone. Everyone, everyone deals with that. They just become better and better at, at overcoming it and not listening to it and and realizing that it's going to be there. You're not special. You're you're not the only one that deals with a, a negative voice in your head sometimes doubting that you can do something great. It's just the the things change. And and I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. For me, the things in my head about like the half. Ironman changed from the 100 miler a little bit in a in a half marathon I didn't deal with 15,000 feet of vertical elevation gain but Leadville I did and so it was this new level that I had to overcome but also comes this doubt that I have to overcome as well so just like you're stacking confidence that's also like stacking confidence and ability to overcome that self-talk Yeah. And I just another part that I'm sure you recognize is that that same voice that pops up when you're thinking about an endurance event is the exact same voice that pops up when you think about an entrepreneurial goal or something with your podcast, something with starting your own business, something with like speaking up and saying what you really believe in. It's really that same voice and it's the same process of overcoming it. And so I think that that's another thing that I, that I really try and talk to about with people is by overcoming the challenges in an endurance event, you also learn how to overcome those, those challenges in your everyday life. And uh, one thing I'm curious about now is like, you've mentioned Leadville. So could you just first describe what, like for people who, who, you know, kind of understand, or maybe don't even understand, like, what is the challenge? What makes it so challenging? And then how did you actually train for it in Texas where it's super flat, no altitude? And just talk to us about that part of it. Yeah, for sure. So a couple quick stats to give listeners an idea on the basis of Leadville. So it, Leadville is a town in Colorado. The race starts at 10,200 feet elevation gain contrasted by my 500 54 feet. But yeah, so essentially you start very high in the sky. It's literally called the race across the sky. And if you've never been in elevation before, it becomes more difficult to breathe. You get a bit more tired at higher elevations. Uh, Some people even get elevation sickness. 
just oh, yeah. from being up there because their their body like there's not as much oxygen and it's hard to get oxygen so yeah so that's that's one thing also you actually climb like one of the i'm looking at my map over there but one like the race peaks out at like 12,600 feet so that's even higher in the sky but also i didn't even realize this guy that leads our men's ministry at church he was in the navy seals and he told me that when they're when they're parachuting and and stuff the faa regulation requires them to have oxygen at 13,000 feet so basically wow. where we were running right where you're at there the government requires them to have oxygen because there there's such a difference in in the level oxygen levels at that high of altitude so those are a couple things with altitude now with uh with the vertical gain so the uh race you go up and you run up and down these mountains so there is 15,744 feet of vertical elevation gain I don't know how best to describe it, but it's a crazy amount of stair climbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my gosh. And then also f- over the 100 miles, I checked my stats and I think I, I burned like 15,000 calories and I uh, I had 180,000 steps. So like a lot of people go for the 10K goal. And, uh, I 18 times that um, during that unreal. day. Unreal. But, but yeah, so that's a little bit about the race. And that's what makes it so hard is like the elevation. So you're not getting as much oxygen. Some people go out there like months in advance mm-hmm. or, or a month in advance to get acclimated. I went out on Thursday and the race was Saturday. Wow. Uh, just because my schedule, like I couldn't get out there. So I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And then, yeah. Yeah. So how I trained for it, there was not really a way I could train for the altitude. Some people use like those oxygen masks, but I haven't yeah. really done them before and i've heard mixed reviews so i just was like hey for this one i'm just not going to do it but also people say like training in the heat helps with elevation training for whatever reason i don't know the science behind it in texas is hot so maybe that helped mm-hmm. but uh as far as like going up and down in that training i ran at a, a trail nearby here but nowhere near like you just can't get the mountains in texas so i really think that like i did my running training but I, but I really think that ability in the race came from the years of that I had done different things. I mean, I did 29.29 the year before, which you climbed 29,000 feet, but you're also hiking the whole time for 17 to 36 hours, however long you go. And so, so it's a very different experience. I think that one of the the cool things about it was I had built my capacity to do hard things so that this thing was no different. Right. And I knew that it was going to hurt a little bit more probably than the other races I had done, but that didn't really scare me. I did a little bit of extra like weightlifting and stuff. I, I lift three to five times a week. So that was a big part of my training is like lifting and probably did a more, more than more lifting than I had done in other preps just because I wanted my, my legs to be really strong for it. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was no like secret sauce or no like uh special training method or whatever for this race. So yeah. And, and that caused me, I mean, when people like ask me those questions about how do you train elevation, how do you train for the vertical gain? 
I was like, yeah, I mean, I did my best to do a lot of step ups and a lot of stair climbers, but I'm just going to go out and, and do it, you know? So, yeah, that's pretty cool because it's kind of just this mentality of like, you do the best you can with what you have. As always like a quote that my, my dad's a, a football coach. So he's always got like all of these quotes, but it sounds like that was the, the case for you. It's like, you, you do the best that you can to train based off of, you know, your, your situation. And it was built up over, you know, years and years of years of just stacking and doing those hard things. So obviously it's an insane challenge, you know, hearing some of those stats, uh, walk us through the race for you kind of from beginning to end. What were some yeah. of those obstacles that you faced to walk us through it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, uh, with, with the race, one thing about like long races like that is like, you don't want to get too amped up or too high of a heart rate, or at least in my viewpoint, like at the beginning of the race, you're going to be going for 24 plus hours or so. And I went for 25. So it's like, that's a long time, right? So I think it's good to just go in with a, just a cool, mellow, like mindset. Of, I'm excited. Like I'm here, but like, mm. let's just, let's just enjoy it and just be smooth and, and have a good time. Um, so that's like the approach that I kind of take. So, I mean, I got there, it started at 4am, which is the craziest thing. Cause I had to wake up at two 30, uh, <laughs> talk about a weird wake up time. But uh, yeah, I went to sleep and it was still late outside. Yeah, so I started the race. Things were going well. I mean, the beginning of the race is always just kind of like run by feel. I don't try and run at a specific pace really at all. I try and keep a mellow pace. I, I would glance down at my heart rate and stuff to check that just to make sure I'm not getting too excited running faster than I think I should. Try and keep it below 150 or 145, kind of keep it in the zone two area, at least early in the race. And then really, it was just like about having fun. I didn't listen to anything for the whole thing, actually, which is which was a first for me. I had never really done that because I typically listen to a podcast or audio book when I run. And I definitely advise that for, for listeners. It definitely helps pass the time. But yeah, I kept going. I mean, mile 37 and a half is when you start is the first or the last aid station before you go up Hope Pass, which is like a a 3000 foot climb over mm-hmm. the span of like six to eight miles or something. And, and to wow. give you just a frame of reference, that hike is something that someone would do. That would be their day hiking exactly. up and down. But they put this like smack dab in the middle of the race, which is crazy. I mean, it was brutal. Like I especially not having like hiked on mountains, like in my prep that much leading up to it, it definitely got me a little bit, but Mm -mm. I just had to like quiet my ego a little bit before I'd been passing some people. Now I was getting passed a little bit by a couple people, but I just kept going. And in the whole thing in my mind was like, just keep moving. It's okay. This is going to be a long race. We just got to keep moving. And then through those like dark, cause like you go through ups and downs in an ultra and, and you got to just know too, that like when you're in a low, like a high is going to come. And when, mm-hmm. and when you're in high, like not to get too high, but just to like enjoy it and to just enjoy the flow and everything. And something that helps me 
through race like that is my faith guy. I repeat the Mm -hmm. mantra. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me just in my head over and over and over again, just to keep a positive mentality. Because I think the last thing that you want to do is there are two things. Last two things you want to do are verbalize pain you feel or just tiredness that you feel. You want to just in your mind be feeling great. Unless it's seriously something that you need to see the medical attempt. Okay, go do that. But yeah, like you don't want to be telling yourself, oh, I'm so tired. My legs are so done, blah, 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 blah. Because that's going to make you feel that way. Exactly. It gives you, it gives your brain like your evidence, your brain is going to find evidence for what you say. Exactly. If you say like, oh, I'm just dead. I'm dogging it. Then it's, it's going to look for all of the reasons why you are, you know, dead or tired. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then also, like, I don't like counting down the miles, like, oh, I have 60 miles left to go. I have 40 miles left to go. I have 30. I'm so tired and I still have 30 miles left to go. It's like, no, you don't want to think that. So I just focus on the next aid station, which for me was like 10 to 15 miles typically. So I go through that. I do that climb. Then I go down it. And then about this was a a key moment for me throughout this, this race, about mile 74, is when I really started feeling like knee pain that I never really felt before. And my mm. knee started swelling up a bit. And uh, it got to the point where like when I ran, it hurt to bend my knee. And I didn't really know what to do. Wanted to keep moving. So I started power walking and that like didn't really hurt. So I just was like, I'm going to keep moving, keep doing that. Hopefully it it lessens up. And that was a, a hard moment for me because I was like, I want to be running so bad right now, but my leg just isn't doing it. And so that was something that I had to work through in my mind. Yeah, things aren't going exactly how I planned them to be or how I would want them to be. But at the same time, like, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I got, kind of like we said earlier. And I think that's a big lesson for ultras is, especially with the 100 miles, it's a long race. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily what's know what's going to happen. Like you can prepare, even, even if I was in Colorado training for the race, I can prepare as best I can with the most ideal circumstances, but at the same time, chances are something's going to happen. When that something happens, you just got to be ready for it. You may need to sit down for an extra long time. You may need to walk it out for a long time. You may need to see the medical tent. But at the same time, it's figuring out, you just got to be on the fly with whatever comes up. You got to figure it out. You got to, before the race, do everything you can to mitigate the risks of things happening. But like something's going to happen. So you just have to address it. And that's a key for life. Things are going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but things will happen. And so you have to be prepared and ready to address them. So yeah, so that was like 74 on and that was like, brutal but one of the really cool things was i came in i was broken i was beaded almost like defeated i knew i was going to finish but i didn't know what time i was probably going to take a while and then i come into my uh 87 aid station and i linked up with my last pacer steve weatherford and if you don't know steve he's like one of the most jolly like exciting encouraging 
people. If you the if exact you pacer, person, the exact yeah. person that you want to get you through the last 13 miles of a ridiculously tough ultra. Exactly. True encourager. You yeah, should also he, mention that he's an, an NFL, uh, you know, Super Bowl champion oh, as yeah. well. Th- that Super also Bowl helps. champion, two times NFL's fittest man, and just crazy list of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. But the the funny thing was, is he picked me up and we just I I sat down that aid station, figure it out, and then we get going. And uh like we're I'm doing my best to run and we're run walking it like this last bit. And uh, probably over the last five miles, we literally passed eight people wow. just because like of his encouragement. He's like, he calls me the big show. Um, <laughs> and so he's like, let's go big show. Like, let's go. And uh, just kept encouraging me, playing my favorite songs, playing some motivational stuff. And we, he just kept me going. Wow. And, uh, and it was funny because everyone else on the course at that time that we, they passed their energy was low. They didn't have someone that was encouraging them through the, the end of it because in, and Steve has shared this with me. He's like, yeah, I, I knew kind of in my mind, like where you would be at mentally. And so I just prepared myself. And this is the cool thing that we have the power to do determine what the atmosphere is going to be in a moment and he mm. did that he he knew that i was going to feel just like busted up tired wanting it to be over ready to be done but he decided he's like okay i'm going to turn this around and i'm going to encourage him through the finish and we're going to finish strong cuz that's what we set out to do and then also i had to be willing to push myself and receive that and use it as fuel to push myself when with a a busted up leg, like I could have easily justified like, yeah, this wasn't my race. I'm just gonna do the best I can, but not like really push to the end. Cause who's gonna know. But Mm. like my standard for myself is I'm going to do the best I absolutely can. And so that's what we did. So that's a, I know that's a little bit long, just so many lessons in that of the power of an encourager, especially when, when you're running or to be that person for someone else, something's going to happen in a hundred mile race. You just don't know exactly what, but you got to address it, keeping a, a mellow vibe through throughout the beginning, at least of the race, you can pick it up towards the end for sure, but it's a long day and yeah, just doing the best with what you got. Well, I, I just got so much value in hearing that race recap because like I'm getting ready for my first hundred mile ultra, like the Hennepin hundred and something that I keep that keeps coming up from different people that have done hundred mile ultras is that there are the peaks and the valleys, the high moments and the low moments. And it's important to understand when you're in a low moment that it's not that, that, that is temporary. It's not always going to be like that. And that's kind of what you were saying of even when you're in those high moments, that's also not going to be there forever. So it's kind of keeping that mellow base as much as you can, uh, trying to break the big, massive challenge down into smaller chunks of like, all right, I just got to get to the next aid station. I mean, just so many good lessons there that, again, kind of the theme of what we've been talking about, they, all of these lessons apply to your everyday life. You know, you can be the encourager in your neighborhood. You can be the encourager in your workplace. You can be the encourager in your family. 
because, you know, we all can be lifted and encouraged by, by others. And we can also be that encourager as well. That's just kind of really cool lessons that you've learned there. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned with uh, Steve Weatherford being that encourager for you, I'm just curious, what else stands out to you about any time that you've spent with, with Steve? Is there any, any other big kind of life lessons that you've taken from being around him? Yeah, I'll talk about just a, a couple, but I've had the the privilege of being able to live with him, work for him, and just be able to like soak up a ton of his greatness and just like mm-hmm. just who he is and in, in the person. And I think one of the biggest things is like that encourager piece, among a, a lot of other things, which I'll talk about. But like he he decides that he's going to be an encourager, and mm-hmm. he decides that regardless of reciprocation by others he like chooses people and chooses situations i'm just going to encourage encourage this person and i'm not going to expect anything in return especially in relationships he's like i'm going to be the giver in the relationship and i don't expect you to reciprocate but i'm just going to give i'm going to send you video messages to encourage you i'm going to lift your spirits i'm going to be there for you, but I don't have expectations from you. And I'm not doing this so that you will do it for me. I'm just doing it because the person that I am, and that's kind of the way he's lived his life. And he's one of the people that has the most amazing relationships that I've ever seen before. I think just like his, his commitment to his relationship with God, which like then stems everything that he does in his life because he had this moment not to go too much into it where after winning the Super Bowl it was very unfulfilling for him and shifted his focus and priorities he just like he just really lives it like there are mm-hmm. a lot of people in today's society that post about doing one thing and do the other or portray themselves on social media or even in social circles to be one way which they're not but he just like lives what he's about and the things that he portrays himself to be like, he's exactly that person that you see online. So I think that's one of the coolest things about him. And there's just so much, but yeah, those are just a couple. Yeah. Cause I've, I've heard, you know, I've heard his, I listened to his podcast on the bear performance, you know, podcast with Nick bear. And it was just one of my favorite episodes that I've listened to. And that comes through like the exact things that you're talking about you know, being the encourager, being committed, showing up, that is 100%, you know, what came through in that podcast. And I just think, how lucky are you to have him be like the last 13 miles of that, that ultra and what, what a gift and and so cool for you. And so one of the other things that, you know, we've kind of been talking about as this theme between endurance and entrepreneurship that I want to get into next is, you know, what is that overlap that you see? And what are some of the key things that you have implemented as an entrepreneur that you've learned from endurance training? Does anything come to mind for you? I mean, there's so many things. I mean, one thing, just like consistency of just like doing the work, even when it's not flashy, even that it's not shiny, running six or seven miles a day, like, isn't that shiny? Like, it's not that crazy. Like, there are days where I feel like doing it. There are days that I don't feel like doing it. 
but in in not always seven, but that's just like my go-to like distance typically. But yeah, and and that's the same with entrepreneurship work. You you just got to do the work, like and, mm-hmm. and stay consistent and can stay faithful to it. Because if you just do that, I mean, you're gonna be light years ahead of the person who switches opportunities every three months or does that. Another thing, I mean, along with that is like a hundred mile race is a long time. So you have to be patient. You can run a little bit faster in segments, but at the end of the day, like it's still going to be very long. So you have to kind of disassociate yourself from focusing on the finish line and instead focus on where you're at and what you're running and in the mile that you're on. For me, it's like, okay, the first checkpoint's 12.9 miles. I'm only focusing on where I'm at in relation to those 12.9 miles. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm at mile six, I'm like, okay, I got about seven miles to till my next stop. And it's never thinking, oh, I'm at six miles. I have 94 to go. Never. Yeah. It's just like too much. Folk, yeah. And, and that's the same with businesses. Like, and I'm still learning a ton, but at the same time, I'm, I'm where I'm at. I'm focused on my next target, like my next thing that I'm doing. And, and that's sort of like my area of focus. I think, I don't know, one of the coolest things that running itself has done for me is it's open doors. I think that pursuing it and pursuing it to the level that I have has created opportunities like this to hop on a podcast, to to share things that I'm working on, to help benefit other people, and then also open the doors to relationships. I would not be living with Steve Weatherford and working for him and doing some of the other things that I'm doing on the side without pushing myself and and trying and striving for the next level in my life and and with what I'm doing and in my running. I just wouldn't have these opportunities. And so that's taught me to press into what you're about in, in certain situations. And I didn't know that it would turn out like this at all. It not was just all. this this half marathon that I just said yes to, and I kept pursuing. And so for listeners, what is something that I feel like is on my heart to do? Like mm-hmm. it could be go for a hike. It, it doesn't have to be this grand thing, but as you start pursuing different activities, different things, different hobbies, you then figure out, oh, I like this. Oh, I didn't really like this. Oh, I think I want to do a lot more of this. And and I think especially for young people, that's one of the most important things to do is to just like try a ton of things to figure out what you like and you don't like, because that's way more effective, I think, at least in the beginning than trying something, working at it for years and years that you don't really like, only to when you're you're 30 or 40 switching and, and you still totally can if you're you find yourself at that place. But yeah, that's just something I've done is like tried a bunch of different things and and kind of figured out what sticks and what I'm seeing success with and doing more of that. What a great answer, because I think a big part of it, of success in entrepreneurship, endurance is just starting. I think I had to overcome so many like limiting beliefs with even just starting this podcast of like, I'm not a podcaster. I don't know how to record an episode. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know who's going to listen, but I just started with just one episode. I recorded one super short episode and it's just kind of like what you're talking about. It's just that first half 
half marathon, or you recommend to somebody just go for a hike, who knows where that could lead and who you'll be connected with along the way. So I just love, love that, that message that you have there. And I think as we start to kind of wind down and close out, like, I just really appreciate you jumping on to, you know, talk through and share your story. And I kind of want to close out with one of these questions where I have this word called Endurify that I, that I made up and it's a combination of endurance and IFY. And so endurance is the ability to continue or last despite stress or adverse effects. And IFY means to make or to become. And so like I, like we've talked about, like, I really believe that the true benefit of an endurance event is how it, how you become the type of person who can continue or last despite whatever stands in your way. And so based on everything that you have accomplished, everything that you've learned, what is just like one last piece of advice that you have for entrepreneurs or athletes to help them become the type of person who can continue or last despite whatever stands in their way? I don't know if this is much, it's definitely a piece of advice, but it's more of a, like a philosophy to have when it, when it comes to this. And this kind of been like the theme of this episode is just the fact that it stacks Mm. like your ability to endure your ability to persevere, your ability to keep going, despite, like you said, like adverse effects. My ability to do that now is a lot different from what it was four years ago. But through this process of testing myself, enduring things, putting myself in positions to be able to strengthen that, like almost like a muscle. And it's like doing things that like you want to, like your natural body, your flesh, like wants to stop and wants to quit on. Being consistent with doing 40 push-ups every morning. Or being consistent with going to bed by a certain time or jump, jumping in a cold plunge every day or running every day or working out most days. You're, you're, you, you doing so then stacks in your ability to then endure harder things. So that's the cool thing about it is like it may be hard right now to, to get out of bed and, and go for a 20-minute walk. Like that just may be where you're at and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong about that, but that's just where you're at. And so that's where you need to start. And once you do that, maybe next week it's 30 mile or 30 uh, minute walk every day. And, And so it's like this stacking ability and that's what everyone does. It's like you start off small and you build. And I think to your listeners, it's just to have that thought process in the beginning to not be, to not have too big of an ego to be like, ah, or like too insecure to be like, ah, I don't even want to try because I can only run a mile. No, like that's where you're at. So start there and build from there. So yeah, that, that would be my answer to that question. It all stacks. I love that because it's just kind of set that first initial goal, build that confidence in yourself and just see where that takes you. So I love love, love that message. And, you know, just kind of those other things that you mentioned, 
the push-ups, the going for the going for the run, cold plunges. Those are all things that I see you doing consistently on like your Instagram and on reels and your stories and stuff. And so I definitely want to encourage everybody who's listening to this to, you know, follow Pierce and follow his journey. And so just curious kind of where can people learn about you and where should people go to follow you? Yeah. Instagram is probably the best uh, place, the place I'm most active. It is Pierce Shaw, P-I-E-R-C-E-S-H-O-W-E altogether. Super simple. And shoot me a DM. Happy to answer any questions and, and help in any way I can. Awesome. Well, Pierce, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Like, Honestly, I've gotten so much out of this in just my myself in selfishly preparing for my upcoming uh, hundred miler. And I just look forward to, you know, supporting you and encouraging you because I just think that you, you've got an amazing philosophy. You're thinking about it and you're going about it the right way. And I just love that you're sharing what you're learning along the way with other people. So I just want to encourage you to, to keep doing that. Thank you so much, man. And best of luck with the hundred miler. I know that you're going to, you're going to do great, especially when you're, you know, trying to learn as much as you can from, from other people who have done it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We'll talk to y'all later. See ya.